Hey, what's going on, everybody? Austin Bollinger, founder of Daily New Year's here with you. Man, oh man, has it been a long time since I have recorded a podcast. So if you've been following the show, you probably noticed I dropped off the face of the earth back in July, and I apologize for leaving you hanging. I apologize for not giving you any warning whatsoever but I decided to write my first ever book. And I thought it was going to be a 90-day process. And I started it July 4th of 2019. And I'm proud to say that it is dropping on Amazon on February 16th. As of this recording, that's this coming Sunday. And it took a little bit more than 90 days. So if you want to check it out, and I hope that you will, go to Amazon and search for Crush Your Goals and it should be there uh, at the time of the posting of this this podcast. Um, or you can go to crushyourgoalsbook.com and get all the information there as well. Here I am rebooting the Daily New Year's podcast, and I'm actually digging back through my recordings. I sat down with my good friend and mastermind group member, Stephen Schott, back on, I think it was July 2nd of last year, maybe it was the end of June, and we recorded this podcast together. So you'll notice a little bit of uh, you know reference to some events that are slightly out of date, but I recorded this podcast with him and then decided to put the Daily New Year's blog and podcast on hold so I could focus up on that book. And like I said, I thought I'd be away from this thing uh, 90 days or so. And that didn't that that wasn't the case. So I'm reviving this podcast and I am bringing back this episode uh, with my good friend Stephen Schott. So this is a wide ranging conversation. Stephen and I both love to read personal development books, psychology all kinds of different things. So this is a very, very wide-ranging episode. I hope to have Stephen back on the podcast very soon so we can do a deeper dive maybe on a few focused topics. But for now, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with my good friend, Stephen Schott. Here we go. All right, so Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So for you guys out there that are listening, Stephen and I, uh, like Greg in the last episode, uh, we're in a mastermind group here in Cape Girardeau together, and uh, we've been hanging out for, what, three or four weeks now? About, yeah. This will be the fourth Thursday. We meet every Thursday. And so uh, just a lot of like-minded guys in a group together talking about personal development, which gurus were reading and following and so forth. And it was, I don't know, last week or the week before you, you posted a awesome video on your Facebook page is talking about all the stuff that you do. And people are like, how do you do that? How do you get up early? How are you taking cold showers? And you basically said, I don't want to, but I do it anyway. And I'm like, we've got to talk about this on the, on the daily New Year's podcast. So I don't know if you, before we jump in, if you want to talk a little bit about who you are and. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, my name's Steven Schott. I uh, am a licensed realtor here in town. I work with Ritter Real Estate on the Bright Blazer Broker team, if you haven't heard of them. Um, I've been in real estate for almost a decade now, uh, anywhere from investing in rental properties to flipping properties. But I, uh, I grew up swinging a hammer. My dad was the best contractor 
I know, and he works with me a lot today. I hire him to do a lot of our jobs with us. That's cool. He still teaches me a lot today. And if it wasn't for him and my mom, my mom was an interior designer when she was younger, and she had retired to take care of the grandchildren and whatnot, but she's very smart when it comes to how a house is going to look good. Yeah. So my mom just kind of tells me and my dad what to do, and we'll <laughs> go ahead and do it, and it always looks good, which is the story for the rest of our lives. We just listen to our mom, you know. Yeah probably have a little bit better time, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been in real estate for a long time. I recently decided to take the jump to become a realtor as well, which is a completely, it's the other side of the fence entirely. I went from being a buyer and being really attractive to other realtors to now being their competition. And uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic to see there. And it's, I've worked with a lot of people I wouldn't have worked with before. And I've learned a lot. And what I really have learned is that if you're going to buy, buy a house, the hardest thing is the paperwork. And that's what your realtor is for. Right. Because that's the hardest part for me has been the paperwork. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> so it's been fun, though. And I'm excited. I'm excited about how CAPE is growing and being able to now see more information and demographic data for Cape Girardeau and Southeast Missouri as a whole. I, I really see us going in the right direction with a bunch of business growth, the population growth, with houses being in a healthy market currently. Um, there's a lot of stuff to be excited for here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for, for people listening, I know, I know people are kind of everywhere. Cape Girardeau for me growing up, I grew up in a super small town, so this is kind of a big city, but for a lot Mm -hmm. of people out there, this is, you know, just a micro dot on the map somewhere. Yeah. Um, we're about 35,000 people in our town, but, um, even before we joined the mastermind group together, we encountered each other out in the community. Um, our local chamber does an annual uh, Emerge Young Professional Summit every year. I spoke at that this year, and you were there, and I remember seeing you there last year. And and so our we've kind of been in each other's orbits in the in Cape Girardeau mm-hmm. here. And so I'm really interested to dive into some of the just mindset stuff that you and I talk about on a regular basis, anyway. But um, going back to that video on Facebook that you put out there, people were asking you. Uh, you get up around five, right? Get I get up, up at four thirty every morning. Four thirty. Yeah. Okay, so you, I get up at four forty-five. So you beat me up a little bit, but um, you know, people were kind of asking you. I guess to go back even a little further, you do. You call them your quick quotes. My quick quotes. Quick exactly. On, uh, I do it on on Snapchat, and I have a a following on Snapchat. Um, if if people want to follow me on that, I I can give you my link to that. Absolutely, um, I'll drop that in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, but every day, every other day. Um, I never make a commitment to do it every day, but every other day I have a quick quote and it's usually just a minute blurb of something that I've learned or read or experienced that I feel like I can share to other people. Um, And, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk once said, he said that, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred followers or a million followers, it's you're reaching your audience. And those are people that might not have heard a message that's super important to them if it weren't for you. Mm -hmm. So don't let, you know, only... You know, I have about 180 people that see my quick quotes every day. Um, That's awesome. And there's been, before the Snapchat update, it was about 1,200. And then the Snapchat update happened and Instagram became more popular with their with their videos. Gotcha. And I just haven't made the transition to go over that way. But it doesn't matter. You know, the people who really want to hear that message are the ones that are tuning into it, um, which is why I keep on doing it. I've had some positive feedback. Maybe even just once a month I have somebody text me and say, hey, I really needed to hear that message. And that's powerful. And that's why I do it. Yeah. Um, it feels good for me, but I'm, I, I, I want to help those people because it feels good for them to, to hear that message. So I, I always say that, you know, even if it's you're just being a conduit for information that you've received from someone else, 
that that person, your followers, may not have ever received that message if it weren't for you. So that's why I do it. Exactly. So that's what you got. When, when did you get started doing the quick quotes? And I'm not familiar with the Snapchat updates. I've never <laughs> been a Snapchat guy. Right. I've installed it a couple it times. It was a big deal at one point. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, no, th- so the quick quotes started, I think, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, when I started to go through a lot of changes in my life. Um, I used to plan finance. I did insurance and investments. And I did that all through college with a, a great company here in town. And uh, I was going to go full-time after I graduated, but uh, I had gotten myself into some trouble by getting in a bar fight in, in town. And uh, at first, I was going to be charged with felony assault, and that since was amended wow. and changed. Um, after a year and a half of going to court over that, I was, it was said that, hey, you got a misdemeanor assault, but I still wasn't able to practice finance after that. Um, I'd been at some of the lowest points in my life over the last two years, almost two and a half years now. Um, a year ago from today, uh, was probably the lowest point in my life. Um, it was almost exactly a year ago from today. I remember that because my sister's wedding's anniversary was just last week and this is this week. So almost a year ago. Um, I remember being on my hands and knees and crying in a 180 square foot efficiency apartment, one that I own. Um, but I was living in that apartment in the transition from one property to the other while I was moving. And, uh, it all seemed like a whole bunch of stuff happened at the same time. My car, the engine blew up on the way to court. At court, they told me, hey, you have until next month. Otherwise, we're going to sentence you with a felony and to get this figured out with the plaintiff or with the, yeah, with the plaintiff. And, um, and uh, you, you got to have it figured out by then. And then on the way back, my phone stopped working. Man. And just all this stuff happened at the exact same time. And I fell down on my hands and knees in this uh, apartment and uh, I was bawling my eyes out. And I asked, what do you want me to do? And I had this thought pop into my head to open up my Bible, and I had started reading. And in the book of Psalms, David's arguing with God about something bad happening to him. I forget the details exactly, but David's arguing with God, and God says, David, how dare you? And I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Ex- sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, says, uh, he says, how dare you? And David's like, what do you mean? And he goes, you thank me for all these blessings that you've had, but you've never thanked me for the struggles I've allowed you to experience. And I'm very careful with how I say that because God isn't the one throwing struggles at you. He's allowing you to experience those things. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's my belief. And he says, if it weren't for those struggles, you never would have been propped up to become a king one day. So those are the things that are going to make you great, are the struggles and the pain that you experience. Because we're all going to experience it. Everybody goes through some sort of pain at some point in time. Sure. Goes through some struggle. We all have loss. We all have, you know, things that throw us off kilter. Or like Grant Cardone, I love this. He calls them squigglies. We all think that there's a straight line to success, but we always get distracted by these squigglies. Yeah. Um, we all we all have to experience that, but it's how you interpret it and how you deal with it. And if you choose to learn from it or if you choose to let it knock you down. Um, and I chose that day, I chose that I'm not going to let this keep me down. I'm going to learn from it, become a better person. And that started with changing who I was, not changing the things around me. And I said, you know, the, the stuff that I started to learn after that, I said, I'm going to start helping other people do that too. So I started my quick quotes. That's awesome. So that was a long answer to your short question. No, that's a powerful <laughs> one though. I didn't, you know, I knew a little bit of that story, but certainly not the whole thing. So that's super powerful. I yeah. Pre- appreciate you sharing that. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah. So were you always an avid kind of personal development 
reader and things before that point in your life? Or I was. Um, I was always the the read it and say that I've read the book, but never actually practice it. Gotcha. Because I did fairly well. That's um, easy to do, though. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that you can have all these great ideas, but unless you take action, you're not you're not doing anything with yourself. And right. it really can come to bite you in the butt because I had in my head that I was this good person, but I wasn't acting like it. I said, well, I, I read all these books and I, I believe all these things, but I wasn't acting like I did. Gotcha. Um, and that's what got me in trouble in the first place was I, I drank too much then and I got into a fight and it t- just turned out badly. Sure. It turned out badly for everybody. So, But since then, I've allowed myself to learn from that and allowed myself to grow from that. Um, which an event like that, you know, you either, you either do grow from, from it or, or you're never going to grow from anything. You know, there's a, a psychologist, uh, Ben Robbins. He says that after the age of 25, you're kind of stuck being who you are. Right. I've heard that too. Yeah. And unless you experience a traumatic experience that can change your perspective quite instantly or drastically, um, that up until the age of like 18, 19, 20, we're pretty malleable on the things right. that we learn. And we're like sponges up until a certain age, our brain stops growing. We're still adapting our worldviews, political views, religious views, just everything up until roughly 25. Yep. Yep. But by then you're kind of who you are. So <laughs> um, if you're a mean person, you're probably going to be a mean person for the rest of your life. If you're selfish or if you're a bit narcissistic, you're probably going to be that way for the rest of your life because you haven't found a reason to change yet. Hmm. But in an event that makes you change who you are or really take some self-reflective thought and say, hey, maybe I'm kind of an asshole. And can I say that on here? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm kind of an asshole. Um, That'll make you really start to change. Well, that's super interesting. I've heard that before, and I didn't quite know the the truth behind that because, you know, with personal development and in everything, we're all seeking to grow. We're seeking to change our mindset. I think Greg and I talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago too. Sometimes you're, you're reading those books like you were reading and you're, you're here, you're acknowledging it, but it's not really having the impact on you that maybe it should be, but you can reread that same book three years later and it can have a massive impact. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's, it's all these things that are going on in our lives that kind of continue to mold us as people. So I don't know that I truly believe we're, you know, done at 25, but I, I think I see the point, you mm-hmm. know, that it it gets harder to change. Yeah, for sure. it does. I mean, think about, um, think about when we were kids. Like, how easy is it for a child to learn to play a new instrument? Absolutely. It's or a lot easier than... Or, yeah, but why is that? I guess because they haven't decided they can't do it yet. That's a good, yeah, that's a good point. They, they don't, they haven't developed these self-limiting thoughts yet. Right. I actually think you wrote a blog post about that. I've written, yeah, about self-limiting beliefs. And then, uh, when Monday, I actually released a blog post about learned helplessness, which is harder to acknowledge because you almost have to acknowledge that all of the stuff that's happening to me or all the things I'm not doing in life are my own fault because I'm getting in my own way. So that's a tougher one to talk about. Mm -hmm. Self-limiting beliefs, you know, it's kind of the same thing. But it's you're just telling yourself you can't do it. When I think about learning Spanish, I'm like, yeah, I just can't do that. I don't have the time to do that. It's really hard. But back to your point, kids don't have that resistance to things yet. Absolutely. That's why when I was a kid, I wanted to be a jet fighter pilot after watching Top Gun 100 who, times. Who didn't? <laughs> right. I wanted to be a, I, w- I wanted to be Goose. I just wanted to be in the back. <laughs> you didn't see the end of the movie, though. <laughs> you don't want to be Goose. 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, I'll be maverick. You know, when it when it comes to, like, like I was saying, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have these self-limiting beliefs and and that's why it's so much easier for them to learn. And some people say, well, it's because they don't have those beliefs yet or they're not stressed about work or they don't have, you know, this or that. But I think it's all about their mindset. They believe anything is possible. Right. And when you're a child, you're naive, almost, you know, not even to a flaw. Like you're, you're genuinely naive and ignorance is bliss. Exactly. And then we grow up with all of this stimuli and all this environmental factors that tell us, well, you can't do this until you go to school or you can't, you're not allowed to speak on stage unless you've done something, you know, saved a guy's life, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, people tell you that you can't do certain things. Mm -hmm. When you're a child, you're, you're raised to believe that you can do whatever you want. And I think that we can train ourselves to do that. Um, but it all starts with just a couple of really practical ways to implement that. And that's kind of what my video was about is when people, when I, when I talk about do the things that you don't want to do so that you can have the life that you want to have, mm-hmm. it's about um, training your mind to think a different way. It's about a different mindset because when you can master your thoughts, and that's a Tony Robbins thing is master your thoughts. Right. When you can master the way that you think, then you really start to master the way that your body acts and that your actions and your daily routine and things like that. Like I was telling you before we started this, I write down everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's to help me master my mind so I can't, you know, get distracted throughout the day. Gotcha. Um, you know, and I, I have people that ask me, um, you know, why do you like getting up at four 30 in the morning? I'm like, I don't, I absolutely do not like doing that, but I'm training my body and my mind to do something that my spirit can, can will it to do mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, your spirit or your soul or your, your meta physical reality that you have control over because our thoughts are a physiological process in our brains. Um, we can have emotions that are physiological processes in our brains. I could be sad about something um, and our bodies are reacting to everything that's going on in our heads. Mm-hmm. But when we can start to just talk to ourselves a different way um, by literally just saying, I am happy or I am excited or I am successful. Literally just saying that starts to alter the way that your brain's working, um, which then in turn can alter the actions that you take throughout the day. Sure. I've been trying to do that. I still feel silly doing it. Self-affirmations and positive self-talk just feels silly because if you're not used to doing it, it just feels out of place. But what people don't realize is you have approximately 60,000 thoughts a day. Most of that is self-talk and a lot of it's negative. Mm-hmm. And so here lately, you know, I'm a big, heavy guy. I lift weights a lot and I'm trying to train for a half marathon. So I'm running and it's hurting. And in my head, I'm like, you're just not a runner. And so I've been trying to shift that lately. You know, I start getting a cramp or my leg starts hurting. I'm like, you're a runner. You're going to run this half marathon. You're just, you know, training for it. It's going to hurt, but you are a runner and it, you know, and you're not going to quit. You're not going to stop. You've got You know, I try to tell myself, too, if I've got two miles to go, I'm like, you can run just one more half mile, Mm -hmm. which is right now about three and a half to four minutes for me. So I'm like, you can run for four more minutes. Mm -hmm. And I just keep chunking that. But I'm trying to start this positive dialogue in my head to encourage myself going forward. And it's difficult to do because just for me, it just feels kind of silly. But what it does do is power me forward. Yeah. And so if you can apply that in other ways in your life, in other areas, even getting up in the morning, you know, you mentioned Tony Robbins. He says that he's trying to train his mind 
to the point where when he says go, there's no debate, he goes. No matter what it is, he jumps in a 50-degree ice bath every day, and when he says go, he goes. Mm-hmm. There's no hesitation. So I see what you're trying to do. I, I get up early, too, and I don't like the alarm or getting up, but once I'm up for 10 or 15 minutes, I love being up. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's you? or? Oh, yeah. Um, I'd say the number one thing that started to rebuild my confidence after I felt um, like my reputation was kind of ruined after losing my career in finance, the number one thing that built up my confidence when I would go into a bar and I'd see people who maybe looked like they were talking about me or when we were in a restaurant, and really it was all just in my head, I was overthinking it. Sure. People weren't talking about me that much. I'm not that popular. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I would think that. But then once I started waking up at 4.30, I kind of put in my head, well, I've been up probably six more hours than they have, so why would I care what they thought about me? Sure. So that was just one of those key points in me just building my own confidence in myself was just waking up earlier. Um, so well, it's something you have control over, and a lot of people just can't do it. Right. You know, or won't. I guess won't do it is a better phrase. Anyone can do it, but a lot of people just won't. Yeah. Um, And like I always say, it always goes back to how we talk to ourselves. And like you said, we have a lot of negative thoughts, self-talk to ourselves, Um, like just actively saying or visualizing something positive in our lives changes a lot in our actions and our routine and and how our body works. David Goggins calls it the 40% rule. It says, just when you think you've given everything you have, you've actually only given 40%, which tells me that there's 60% of potential that a lot of us never right. tap into. Yeah. Well, it's, I, you know, and you can see that all the time. Like, if I'm running with another person, for some reason I can go longer, further, faster, because competitive nature, plus I'm not thinking about my own limitations. I'm thinking about keeping up with that person. I see guys at the gym running with towels over the the monitor Mm -hmm. so they can't see how far they've gone how long they've gone they set the treadmill and they just start running and they just don't worry about it but when you're glancing down and you go man i've only made it half a mile or i've only (laughs) made it a mile and then you start dwelling on how little you've done or how little you think you can do your body starts shutting down accordingly Mm -hmm. right that's what you're saying yeah and uh i think that talk that i gave uh a week ago uh, that video that I put out about doing the things you don't want to do, we can change that talk to ourselves, that unconscious feeling that we give ourselves negative self-talk by taking first talking to ourselves differently and then doing things that we don't want to do because then that's showing ourselves, our, our body and our minds, that's showing our body and minds that we are able to take control of those things in a practical way, which then carries over into other parts of our life. So when I wake up in the morning, I'll wake up at 4.30, I go for a run. I'll have a cup of coffee on the way to wherever I'm going to go run. Um, And then when I come home, I take an ice cold shower, which are all things that I don't want to do. But my mantra is go for a run and take a cold shower every morning. And people ask me why. I say, because you you won't want to. You're going to hate it. And you're, (laughs) you're, you're going to hate it. I hate it every morning. Yeah. But there's a couple things that happens after you run, your endorphins are are flooding through your body. And and there's even recent research to show that there's cannabinoids that run through your body that, that make you feel better. It's called that runner's high. Right. Well, then you come home and you get into a shower, which is another thing that you really don't want to do. A cold shower. Yeah. And it's another thing you really don't want to do. 
And what happens physiologically is that your blood vessels start to open up at the edge of your skin to try and warm you up. So there's blood leaving the inside of your body, um, which is why your core temperature would drop in a freezing situation. And it rushes to the outside of your body and you get this, you're forced to breathe deeply. You're forced to rush that blood out to its extremities. Gotcha. And then when you get out of that shower, that part's painful, but when you get out of that shower, now you have all these opened up blood vessels in your system and you feel warm and fuzzy and you feel super relaxed as a result. So what this does when you do it habitually is it shows that if you can train yourself to do the things you don't want to do, that there's greener pastures on the other side. And that may seem so silly to say, well, it's just cold showers and a run, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's you making those dials at your work because they suck, but you're doing them anyways and you know that that's the only way that you can sell business. Or door knocking. You know, everybody hates the door knock, but it's the only way that you're going to close a deal. Right. Or working on the house. <laughs> I hate swinging hammers some days. I hate hanging yeah. sheetrock. But at the end of the day, I can see this finished product and I'm really proud of it. Right. So it's not just the cold shower and the run. It's the habitual nature of us knowing that by doing the things we don't want to do, that we can receive a result that we really want to have. And that's just the first step. I was, I got into a, a commenting, it wasn't an argument, but it was a, a kind debate on Instagram with a guy because one of the people, you know, people post quotes all the time and it was like something about don't do anything you don't want to do, only do the things that you're good at and that you do want to do. And I think I commented like, you know, something positive. I don't know. And some guy jumped on there and he was like, I totally disagree with this. You have to do the stuff you don't want to do in order to have the things that you want. But he was just basically saying, I'm following my passion and I'm doing the thing that I want, but I do not love it every single day. And if I only did it on the days I felt like it, it would never get done, you know? And I think that's a a hard line to to walk because when you're following your dream and your passion, you think it's gonna be all sunshine and rainbows all the time, but it's really not. But yeah, I mean, your point is you, you gotta do stuff you don't wanna do to the point where it's not even an internal debate anymore. You just have trained yourself to respond and to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's when we talk about mentality, when you change that this is something that I I don't wanna do or I can't do and you turn that into this is just who I am, you know, it becomes a lot easier. That part starts with just reading your goals every day, which I think you and everybody else in our group does. For the Um, most part, yeah. For the most part. (laughs) That seems like um, it. I think I just got Julian to write down his, start writing down his goals. So. Yeah. Um, but that starts with reading your goals so that you have a purpose and that you have, you know, at the end of the day, it's not like, oh, I'm just taking these cold showers or I'm not just making these cold calls because I'm going to make a sale. It's because I have this higher purpose at the end of that fluffy rainbow that isn't always so yeah. fluffy. Um, you know, Mel Robinson talks about the reticular activating system. There's a lot of research that goes into that we notice the things that we focus on. And the the classical example of this is, what's the last car you bought? Ford truck. Ford truck. When you bought that truck, did you start seeing more Ford trucks around Cape or wherever you were driving? I actually, for me, it kicks in, because we've talked about this before, the reticular activating system. I know Greg likes to talk about that too. For me, it always kicks in more when I'm wanting something, because mm-hmm. there's almost an, in, an envy you know, to that or yeah. a jealousy. So it's like when I decided I want a Ford truck, then that's when I started noticing, man, everybody's got one. Absolutely. You know, once I 
buy it and have it though, and that wears off, then I notice it less. Right. But you know, it once you decide to focus on something, you start seeing more of it. Is I think the basis of what you're what you're about to say. Absolutely. So reading your goals out loud every day starts to tell you that you do those things you don't like doing mm-hmm. because of those goals, but it also makes you notice all the things that you might not have noticed before. Um, right. You know, a, a good example of this was. When I was writing down my goals when I used to play in finance, I was saying I wanted to do this many policies a month. And I read that over and over. And I hit those goals pretty effectively, but they weren't outstanding by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of my mentors, he said, Stephen, why are you shooting so low? I said, I'm not. I'm hitting my goals. He goes, (laughs) well, yeah, but why don't you write more? Like, why don't you set higher goals? You know, I think... um, and Julian talks about this in his talk, is that when we have this abundance mindset, sometimes we limit ourselves by, by actually setting a goal that has a limit, that we say, I want to do 10 transactions this year. If I said, I just want to do 10 transactions this year, that may be a lot to some people, mm-hmm. but then once you hit 10, then where do you go from there? You probably taper off and slow down and stop pushing yourself, yeah. would be my guess. Or you work in a way that only gets you 10 transactions that, for the yeah. year. No, that's a good point. And you may think that you're doing really well, but I always, one of my first quick quotes ever was, I'd rather shoot for the stars and miss than shoot for the moon and make it every time. You know, and I love that quote because after I talked with my mentor and I had some really sit down about my actual potential, which I didn't know what it was yet, I said, okay, I'm going to say that I'm going to do this many transactions this year. I'm going to do 100 transactions this year, which was ridiculous. Um, But I ended up doing more than 10 a month or 10 that year. I ended up doing 60 or 70 that year. Right. And I ended up finishing that year as a top 10 intern in my company. And then the next year I finished as a top 10 intern in my company, which was insane to think that I could have gotten yeah. there. And some people will say, well, you didn't hit your goal. You didn't do 100. But that's like not the point. The point, right. the point is to do better than what you thought you could do or to be better than you were before. Mm-hmm. And so if you were hitting 10 routinely and that was your goal, even if you set it at 100 and hit 12, you still beat your old goal and you did better. Because um, like you said, you didn't know where that potential was. You didn't know where that ceiling or that cap was. Right. And maybe there is no ceiling or cap. I don't know. But the point is... Um, I think Cardone talks about that too, the 10 X rule. You mm-hmm. know, if you want to do 10 a year, set that goal at a hundred. Yeah. Cause even if you only double or triple your previous goal, you've still blown it out of the water. Yeah. You don't have to hit that 10 X. And Grant, and this is the reason that he says that. And, and he, if you haven't read his 10 X rule book or, um, any, read the unabridged version. It's great. Cause he just kind of goes off and rants. Yeah. Um, I love it on audio because he reads it himself. Yeah, and he's a character. Yep. So that one—that's how I uh, read that book. Yep. Um, but he says that if you set your goal too low, you miss, and it may seem high to you, but you will not pay attention to all the things that will get you more than that goal. Mm-hmm. If I set my goal to make a million dollars this year, and that was it, I was dead set on a million, which is great. That would be an awesome number for me this year. But maybe I start to miss all the things that would make me two million or three million. I'm right. not paying attention to that because it's not in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm focused on what's going to make me a million. So Tony Robbins talks about when you write down your goals, say at least, or maybe not use that language. Use a, I'm going to sell more than a million dollars or I'm going to make more than a million dollars. Because then that gives yourself a, the ability to kind of 
reach around that and say, well, I'm not just stopping at a million. I got to make more than a million. Right. And then your your brain starts to fire off in different ways it would it wouldn't have before by being more creative. Um, you know, when we tell ourselves we can't do something, that neurons and there's there's studies that show this that entire parts of our brain shut down from figuring out that problem. Right. If if somebody told me, hey, Stephen, you got to make a million dollars this year, and I just said, well, I can't do that. That's the easy way out. And my brain doesn't have to commit any more resources to figuring out how to do it. But by just saying, I can do that, how can I do that? Or asking the question, how can I? Then my brain starts to activate and fire off more and become more creative and allocate more resources to figuring out that problem. Which studies have also shown when you do that, you can create additional neural pathways in your brain to make that behavior more easy, Mm -hmm. more easier next time. So those new pathways start to form. Whereas when, you know, the counter to that, that learned helplessness, well, I can't do that. A million dollars is far too much money. Then you just, everything shuts down, like you said. Yeah, but, it's the easy way out and it, yeah. and it protects us because uh, our brains are notorious for just protecting us from failure. And it's not until you master that part to say, well, I've got to fail in order to grow. But our bodies are, there's three core things that we need. We need food, we need sleep, and we need to procreate. Those are the three things that if you just stuck you, you know, somebody in a shelter and told them those are the three things they had to do, they would live out a fine life, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But the thing that separates us from the animals is our prefrontal cortex that allows us to project and project ourselves into the future and to want things. You know, I'm sure that my dog wants a dog treat, um, but really it just needs food. Right. You know, and my dog really loves her dog treats. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know that she wants that, that she desires that. I, I guess the difference would be between desire and want. You know, we're the only animals on the face of the planet that can absolutely desire an outcome. Yeah. Or project ourselves to actually already achieving that outcome. Well, it's kind of Maslow's hierarchy of innate human needs, right? It's a, py- a pyramid of five levels. I think that first level is just the need to survive, mm-hmm. like you said, eating, shelter. And I forget all the different levels, but the the top level is self-actualization, which is trying to tap into and reach your own full potential. Mm-hmm. And so once you've worked through, okay, I know how to survive, I know how to eat, I know how to do, I think one of the levels is a sense of community. As people, we need community, we need friendships, we mm-hmm. need intimate relationships. I think that's level four. But once you get to there, the top of that pyramid is self-actualization, hitting your potential. And so if you don't allow yourself the ability to seek out where that potential is and you just say I'm selling or doing 10 transactions a year and that's it and that's as far as you go and you just accept that as the ceiling, you never experience your own potential or know where that even ends if, right. it, if it does. Right. So, yeah, it's crazy. You know, that's that's funny. Like we've had friends, me and my friend, we started investing in real estate right after college um, and I had been in real estate before that. Um, but a friend of mine came to me and he said, Hey, let's, let's do some deals together. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And we started to do like the first one or two deals and we'd post our deals on Facebook and all of our fraternity brothers or friends would say, yeah, you guys look like you're doing pretty good. And I'm sitting here typing back, eating ramen and drinking a bottle of water because I can't afford anything. At the same time, I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, we're doing great, you know, (laughs) but Really, what I what I would what I would always think is, hey, you guys have done pretty well, and now we're doing pretty well. Um, I'd say that our company is is right on the right track to hit a lot of our goals. Um, 
or surpass those goals, you know, ideally. Um, and people say, you guys, you guys have made it. I say, well, you don't know if we've made it or not. Right. You have no idea. Where I don't is know. It? Yeah. I, I don't want to limit myself to thinking that this is it. You know, I haven't made it yet. I'm still growing every day. Um, you know, I don't want to really figure out what my potential is because then I'm done growing, if that makes sense. Right. What do you say to people like, so I've heard people when you say things like that, they say, well, you're just never content. You're never happy or you're never grateful. What do you say to those, those people? Um, I think that we can live our lives by default or we can live our lives by design. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people who are happy with what they have. And you should always be happy and grateful for the things that are in your life currently. Right. I mean, that's one, one, of, the, one of the few things that many of the thought leaders in the world agree on is that gratitude surpasses any other emotion that you're going to have. That if you can be grateful for the things that you have. Um, but that's different than being content. I can be wanting more and still be grateful. Right. So I, I think that you can either live your life by design and truly take out of the world what what you think you really deserve, or you can be content and deal with life just as it comes to you and settle for the things that fall in your place. Um, and that's just not a life that I want to live. Knowing that now, it's not something that I would be happy with. Now, I, I used to hear this, and there was this speaker who came to our Northwestern Mutual uh, annual meeting, and he came to say... He coined the term durable fulfillment. Durable fulfillment? Yeah. So durable f- fulfillment says that there's three pillars to having a, a joyful life, you know, having a successful life, whatever you want to call it, and that's happiness, success, and freedom. And he said, I'm sure you can think of a lot of people that have two of those things. Right. You have people who are very successful and have a lot of happiness or have a lot of joy as a result, but they're not very free. And they're tied we, to a job or they're tied to something that's generating that success, but then they don't have the freedom to go do what they want. Right. Or you could see people who are very happy and free, and we might be able to imagine who that person is, you know. Right. And they probably have a very fun life. but you're Just never, traveling and... Yeah. Um, but to have all three of those things is when you can be truly fulfilled. And that's a different feeling than being happy and content is when you're fulfilled, you say, I've done everything I can absolutely do to better myself and and not only myself, but the community and the family around me. That's what I find astounding about people who just settle. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Maybe there's, that's just who they are. But for me, I think it's selfish to not start thinking about your future self, to think about your future kids, to think about what you could potentially do for your for your community or for your family. It's interesting that selfish came up because most of what you said is how I respond to those people too, is you can be thankful and grateful, but still aspire to another level because why, why would you stay at the level you're at? Cause the level you're at is not the level you were born at. So you naturally kept climbing levels until you reached a point where you decided that that was high enough. And so what made you decide that that was high enough? And the, I was talking with talking to Greg about this, and I've talked to other people about this too. It, it is kind of selfish because the higher you climb, the more people you can ultimately help. Mm-hmm. And so, if you continue to climb in the real estate space and just become, you know, the next Warren Buffett or whoever, you're going to mentor an, a whole generation of other people in real estate. You're probably going to make a ton of money and give a lot of that back in some area of your life or in your community. 
And so the higher you can go and the more success you can achieve, ultimately the more good you can do. Absolutely. So I think it is selfish to say, well, I'm going to sit right here and stay where I'm at. I'm not going to go any higher because ultimately, like you said, you're, you're jeopardizing future relationships. Your, your kids are going to learn that it's okay to settle, you know, or not aspire to be more, you know? And so, uh, I don't know. It's just interesting. You know, for in, in anybody that wants to learn more about kind of that, that conversation that we have with ourselves or with other people who say, well, growing more isn't important to me. And a lot of the times people attribute that to money. I don't need to make more money. Well, do you? Like, do you not need to make more money? Because it's not about you right. at all. Um, so Gary Keller and Jay Pappasen, they've, they've written a lot of books. One of my favorite books is The One Thing. Right. And perpetuates that question, what's the one thing you can do such that may making such by doing so makes everything else easier or unnecessary. Right. Um, but they, they became famous for their book, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, hmm. um, which is a book about that thick. I mean, for people who can't see me, it's about a thousand pages long. Wow. And the whole first half of this book has nothing to do with real estate per se. It has to do with getting right with your finances and, and having the right mindset around money. Um, and Jay Pappison, he talks about a conversation he had with a mentee of his or with one of his students. And she says, I don't need to make more money. And I read this book when I was a financial planner and I used some of these lessons with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes, I don't need to make more money. And he goes, well, why not? She goes, well, I, I have everything I need. I can, I can clothe and feed myself and I have a, you know, a, a roof over my head. Yeah. And he says, okay, well, where do you want to send your kids to school? And she goes, well, you know, I, and she had an answer for that. And he goes, all right, let's just imagine that without any limit, you had all the money in the world. Let's imagine you had all the money in the world, all the potential to do whatever you wanted right now. Um, There was no limit to your credit card when you swiped it. What would you do for your family? And she started to think and she said, well, uh, you know, my uncle's been in the hospital. I'd probably pay off some of his bills and, you know, I'd probably put enough back for my parents to you know, so they didn't ever have to worry about maybe, you know, a fire at the house or somebody getting hurt in a car accident, you know, so they didn't have to worry about that stuff. And he goes, okay. He goes, what would you do for your community? She goes, well, I'd build that blood bank and I'd build another food shelter and I'd I'd build this. I'd I'd probably add another park over here because I realized that there's not enough places for our dogs to play. And she started to really start to think about some creative things she could do for her community. And he goes, okay, what would you do for the world? What's something you could do if you had unlimited resources that would change the world? And she thought, well, crap, you know, we'd go over to Africa and try to cure uh, HIV and AIDS. And she, like, she came up with these astounding dreams that she would have because money wasn't an issue. Right. But the thing that stops us from doing all those things, we don't make enough money. So when somebody tells me that money isn't important, that they're okay with just making enough money. It means that all those things that they could be doing are those aspirations that they're throwing right out the window and not paying attention to. Or they have such learned helplessness or self-limiting beliefs, they just do not see, you know, those are dreams, but they see no eventuality where those dreams can can come true. Mm-hmm. They're just like, it, it's absolutely impossible. Yeah, in a fantasy land, that would be great, but it's, it's not possible. But it's not, it's a self fulfilling prophecy yeah. by thinking it's not possible you're making it impossible yep. it's like the more that you think something can't be you know i'm not smart enough to get this career 
Well, if you think that, you're not even going to apply for that job in that career. Yeah. And so you've just fulfilled that that prophecy. But, um, you know, when people are talking about making more money and you should just be content and so forth, I like to talk about Bill and Melinda Gates. They're probably the richest people in the world. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, they've got enough money. They don't need any more money. But people don't realize the stuff that they're out in the world doing. They have, you know, their foundation, they have committed to getting rid of malaria from the world. That's like their mission. They've committed their foundation and their money to ridding the world of a disease. And it's like they're making tons of money, but they're also reinvesting it back into the world that helped them succeed. Absolutely. And so making more money just to buy more cars and houses and TVs isn't the the, the goal in my mind. Right. You know. Well, I don't think anybody who has just those as their goals is sustainable in their success. If your goal is just to have a Lamborghini um, and live in the big house, and that's where your aspirations stop. Once you acquire those things, you lose drive and lose passion. That's why you see a lot of wealthy people jump off the top of buildings, is because they made all this money, but they didn't have a purpose behind it. That's why you haven't seen Bill Gates jump off a building, because he has a purpose around what he's doing. He has all the money in the world. That, that's, he's the epitome of the example I just gave. Mm -hmm. And he's making a dent in some of the problems that we have that he finds important. And at the end of the day, all of those things, and you say the, the self-limiting beliefs and the, and the um, self-fulfilling prophecy, it all starts with how we talk to ourselves. You're absolutely right. And it seems so silly and so simple to wake up every morning and say, I am strong, and I am happy, and I am successful. And say that out loud with affirmation. Give the, yourself those affirmations. Your day is 100% different. And it all starts with those little things like going for a run and taking a cold shower. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've been we got about five minutes left. Is there anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to draw attention to? You know, other than uh, if you want to hear more from my Snapchat, you know, be sure to follow me and you can include that in the show notes. Um, I'm a licensed realtor here in Cape Toronto. Like I said, I've been invested in real estate here for a long time. Um, I know the area very well, along with all of Southeast Missouri. I grew up on a farm uh, with cows in my backyard in New Hamburg, Missouri. If anybody. Awesome. If anybody listening knows where that's at, it's home of the bologna burger. <laughs> um, but I, I'd love to help new buyers, new investors, people who have the same aspirations as, as making money and making a dent in their community. Um, I've helped a lot of young investors so far do that. Um, I'm helping a couple people in our group, in our mastermind group, buy their first investment property right now. Awesome. Um, but just about educating new buyers, even if it's just your first home through an FHA or USDA loan, um, or if you're right out of the military using a VA loan for the first time, if you need help finding a house here in Cape, I want to help you out. Awesome. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the show today. It was an awesome conversation. I think hopefully everybody learned a lot. If, <laughs> I if did. Not, if, <laughs> me too. Uh, in my conversations, I'm always learning a lot. So that's why I like doing this is it helps me to learn. You know, and you mentioned books and this, that, and the other, and I'm going to go pick those things up and try to learn about them. So the, the goal here is that other people can learn right along beside us. So I will drop links to, so you're not on Instagram yet. Not on Instagram yet. Are you, are you going to get there? I, I need to. <laughs> That's something we can work on on that mastermind group. Awesome. Cool. Well, <laughs> I'll drop links to uh, any websites, uh, your, your Snapchat, and anything else, Facebook, whatever you want. I can mm -hmm. put that in there. So if, Great. if the listeners out there want to connect with you, they certainly can. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on here, Austin. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure.
So there you go, guys and gals. That was my conversation with uh, Stephen from last year in July. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. I think we touched on a lot of different topics. Stephen and I kind of joked after we recorded the episode that we were kind of all over the place. And I think that's just sometimes how fun uh, conversations go. And so I don't want this podcast to be any kind of forced content and so I hope that you enjoyed just the, the wide-ranging conversation. And I do hope to have Stephen back on sometime in uh, 2020. He's uh, focusing on some speaking engagements, and I really want to touch base with him on the content that he's delivering to those audiences. I think he has a lot more value to bring to this podcast. Uh, a couple more notes for you listeners out there. Uh, now that I've released my first-ever book, Crush Your Goals, I'm honestly considering rebranding the podcast to the Crush Your Goals podcast. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. If you want to shoot me an email uh, to austin at dailynewyears.com, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, But as I take this book far and wide and try to get it into the hands of as many people as I possibly can, I really think the Crush Your Goals podcast. Uh, concept is just so much more intriguing. And I think the content of the podcast would be very, very similar uh, to what the Daily New Year's concept was. And I think the, the Daily New Year's blog will certainly stay the way it is. But I just feel like the Crush Your Goals podcast is a little punchier. You know, if you've been following Daily New Year's, either the podcast or the blog at all, you know that I can't stand New Year's resolutions. And I'm sitting here recording this podcast on February 11th, and I think we can all agree that most of our resolutions have flatlined by now. And as goal getters and people who are striving to achieve more in our lives, you know, goal setting and crushing our goals is the way we're going to achieve success. And so I really want to double down on this concept. So what do you think? Shoot me an email, austin at dailynewyears.com. I would love to hear your thoughts about rebranding the podcast. And again, if you're interested in learning more about the book, visit crushyourgoalsbook.com or search for it on Amazon. The cool thing is this is a comprehensive book with four sections from getting started with goal setting, establishing the proper mindset, and it goes all the way through the fourth section dealing with difficulties. So there's four sections, 16 chapters, easy to follow strategies to really get you going. And it even comes with a a set of worksheets, 29 worksheets and self-assessments to help maximize your goal-setting performance. And like the title suggests, this thing is designed to help you crush your goals. No more abandoned resolutions. No more fizzling out on the goals that you're setting for yourself. This is all about success. I've designed this book and the workbook to be warm and inviting, easy to follow. And best of all, this book is not at all about me or what I've done. There are some examples in there, very few. But this book and this workbook are designed for you and what you're capable of and what you're going to do in your life after you've read it. It's truly the first and last book you're ever going to need for establishing the successful life that you've been dreaming of. Everything you need is in there. I encourage you to check it out and hope, hope, hope that you will. So again, search Crush Your Goals on Amazon or visit crushyourgoalsbook.com. And until next time, take care.